0: So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Checked the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
3: Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: What's up, everybody? This is Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. As we celebrate the holiday season, this felt like a worthy two-part classic to revisit. Here is Mariah Carey. We recorded this in the middle of the night, but it was worth it. Mariah was promoting her book, and she was an open book to us. This is a really free and fun conversation with one of the biggest superstars of music, part two originally aired on friday january 15th 2021 enjoy everybody and happy holidays and a healthy new year from team supreme and everybody at quest love supreme
3: in in terms yep. of editing mm-hmm. how how does one because you you definitely walked a, a mighty tight rope uh as far as like telling Your side of the story and your experiences, but when you're writing your memoir, Mm -hmm. how do you know what stories to tell and what stories to leave out? Because you said that, you know, oftentimes you're not alone. So oftentimes your stories have happened to happen with people that are with you. So how do you know, like, what to share and, like, what's TMI and what's okay? This part of the story is cool to tell. I feel safe telling the story. I guess what I'm asking is how did you know how much to share about Sony prison? How did you know how much to reveal about your Matola period without fear of further repercussion or litigious action or any of those things?
4: Well, you know, in America, they can, anybody can be litigious. And I've, I've noticed that i <laughs> pray to that and by the way if anyone should be litigious it's me to get a certain amount of years back of my life mm. that were spent basically you know under somebody's control with the
3: church say amen
4: amen listen right. word everybody. but seriously honestly i i there were certain stories we didn't even delve into until like kind of the end of the process Um, like the story at the kitchen table with the butter knife and stuff like that. But these are things that actually happen. and whether somebody else, and that you got to look it up to know what I'm talking about, whether somebody else, you know, felt that that was TMI, I don't care. Like that was part of my story. That was a catalyst to get me the hell out of that situation where you sometimes, You know, a lot of women, whoever it is, I don't want to say specifically women, but we tend to tolerate domestic abuse in whatever form that may take for longer than we should be taking it. And that's what I did, because emotional abuse is I'm not saying it's worse than physical abuse, but it's it's a form of abuse. Um, Absolutely.
3: It's probably even more damaging,
5: you know,
4: stays with you. Yeah, Yeah,
3: it, it stays. Yeah
5: that's gonna ask you um you know being at that period in your life what do you think uh led you into a romantic relationship with you know the head of your label and um you know how like how did it even get to that point
4: again i would hope that people will read about this because i think when you read about it and you understand what my childhood was like you understand what my early adult very early adult we well, not even adults teens, they teens mm-hmm. late, like about as a struggling singer and songwriter with everything in my head going towards a goal going towards Mm a goal going i'm not going to be like uh my family members that i've seen go down the path of drug drug abuse and Mm -hmm. prostitution and and all the things that happen right where a mass appeal audience doesn't even understand what that is and if it's ever been You know, used used or talked about or spoken about in the media it's always been like for shame look at Mm -hmm. it like it's never been like look at what she actually came out of she came
5: from yeah look at what she escaped yeah it's never viewed as a success story
4: no but it's also like and i'm trying and people think i was trying like look what i came from like i'm just saying i'm not saying that's exclusively a black experience but it mm-hmm. surely ain't in the middle of the road mm. bought, oh,
6: princess. <oversee land> not
5: an adult well, contemporary experience.
4: No, it's not. It's not anything <laughs> other than a really, really uh, dysfunctional and hard experience that I went through and multiple times. So when you ask what led to that situation, I didn't have boyfriends like after high school. I, and, and I never had like a real, an actual um Serious situation because when I was growing up, I always knew I'm not gonna be around these people. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm getting out of this. <laughs> Go on. I'm going to realize my dreams. This is not a. This is not an if. This is a when. And so when I do, I won't be around these people that I'm around right now who are doubters and who look at me as the scum of the earth. That's what I'm not going to. So anyway. In dealing with that relationship and how it evolved, there are many factors that made it evolve. But what I will say is he believed in me as much as I believed in myself. And that is the most attractive quality that I can find. So maybe there were other things where it wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's my school girl crush and la, 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 la. And, you know, knowing that he was 20 plus years older than me and I was a kid, but there's a certain sense of, validation and a sense and at, at the beginning I'm saying um, right, and a right. sense, yeah and a sense of security when you're when you're having to fight um, your own family your own demons your own stuff that that was there it was and that's where they got this whole Prince charming narrative but mm-hmm. let's face it it wasn't that and it certainly didn't evolve into that from a number of reasons. Um, that I've talked about a lot, but you know, it was what it was and I definitely wish him well. I just wish I could get back some of those years and just insert like a party every now and then with a couple girlfriends or like yeah. a fun moment or like a phone conversation without somebody having to be like, what are you talking to? What's going on? Yeah. What is it? And freaking out and, and ruining everything and taking it like as much as those years were amazing with the successes and things, um, in the early years i'm talking about mm-hmm. it was also yeah. very much like well you could have fun for 10 more minutes and then it's over
5: back to work so- wow
3: wait i don't i don't want to spoil alert and and again Mar- mariah is correct i think probably the 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 best way to i don't know not have the experience that i had but you know i i recommend that people get this book and take in the information. Yeah. So they can learn like I did. But there's there's one incident I kinda want to ask about, but I feel like it's the most gripping story in the book, so I don't want to spoiler alert it, but I will call it the French fry incident. What is this um, you're talking about? <laughs> okay, I won't say it's the French I haven't gotten to it yet. So she's basically at the height of well what is what is what is truly the height of mariah itis in a a 30-year story career um i will say that yes she's way beyond household name here and just for her to have a simple pleasure like french fries winds up turning into a near uh will smith enemy of the state situation (laughs) with yes. escaping security people and da 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 so and i'm i'm asking you one one time i got to ask will smith this question and mm-hmm. i asked him like what is it when you're in this house alone what is how many people are here just for you to feel comfortable to be alone like walk downstairs in your underwear and he was like right. uh, like 17 people jesus oh, wow yeah, he like, felt, but he
4: felt he needed seventeen people.
3: No, no. Well, it, because I've never seen uh, an estate that sprawling and big. I mean, it's like two hundred and fifty acres, and yeah. you know, it's like a full scale staff of of you know, it's it's a full staff at at his living quarters. It's
4: a ranch. And so It's bigger than a ranch. It's the middle of no. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, is like, I'm like, well, okay, like if you get out of bed and want to get some orange juice at four in the morning, like all these people, your staff is in the house. Like you can't just be yourself and walk down in your underwear. So I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the number of minimum people that have to be in this house for you to feel like I'm alone. And he said 17. Normally there's about 40 plus people on his property security Uh and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I mean, during the, during the height of what I call between Mariah Carey, and glitter. Water. Yeah, oh, yeah glitter. Okay. What was, I mean, how often, even in your home, what was isolation or just a moment to yourself like? Like, was it still always with security no matter where you were? And even in your house, like, was it always like that?
4: Okay, so we're speaking specifically about what i'll call sing sing right like mm. that yes. yes he refers I,
3: to her yes we get we get house yes yes. <laughs> sing
4: sing. Um, because because when you when you say up until glitter that's a whole nother thing like because i left at butterfly before but during the yeah. you writing know, butterfly well i'm trying was, to figure out like
3: just a version yeah, yeah
5: okay
4: but it was that was a whole nother thing so when you read the book you'll see okay, that was its own hysteria and whole thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll break it up into the couple years that I lived in that huge mansion, right. which you can Google it. There's really no, we never took any pictures. Like, you know, today, everybody would take pictures of their house. Everybody would make a huge deal out of it. It's a $30 million mansion, massive, sprawling thing that I, by the way, paid half of paid for half of everything down to the Damn. electric. Down to the electric as a 20-something-year-old. Woman.
5: Wow, that man and had I, you splitting bills in no, no, your no, twenties.
4: No, Boy, Twitter
5: would go crazy.
4: <laughs> but, I'm saying, but, but that was me being like, "Oh, I don't want to be like my mom, and I don't want to be kicked out of my own house." And, right. and did, you know, little did I know when he said, "Here's a fabulous piece of property. Let's make this a house." I was like, "Okay, great. I just got a million dollars for a publishing advance or whatever it was." So uh-huh. I'm thinking. I don't know how much stuff costs and i'm like okay i need to pay for half of this because i want it to be mine i'm never going to be kicked out of my house and when i said i was going to get married i believed in that i was like oh i guess this is for the rest of my life like i'm not just i wow. wasn't like hey, yeah, let's right. just let's just right. do this and then we'll get out of it whenever no I yeah you need
3: agency, agency to make it a real relationship like you need agency your own Yes, probably. your own yeah.
4: sense of self-worth and everything else that I had worked that hard for at, to that point. But anyway, at that point, there was always security. Um, there was, I would say there were probably about, I mean, look, when people were coming to the house, like the French fight incident that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, the jailbreak incident, as we call it, and right. rat and JP and all of that. Oh, I don't know. There were 10 security, armed security guards. There were, you know, there were housekeepers, um, management, like all those people were there. Did I ever feel like I used to creep down the stairs sometimes and have like a semi private moment until I would hear the beep beep on the intercom? What are you doing? Oh, wow. And that would freak me out. But it wow. happened That's freaking me out. It happened all the time.
0: In but every room, saying- the anaconda was in every room because that's a big house. That's
4: yeah.
3: Okay. So Even if you wanted to show- just get a snack in the refrigerator, like ah ah, ah don't eat that.
4: <laughs> no, no, that wasn't that wasn't said. But it would just be like I get into the, I would sneak out of the bed and I talk about this, like barely trying to trying to not move the bed, and I would sneak out and tiptoe to the back area of my closet go that way to the right and then sneak all the way around the house you know down the house down the side to the where the kitchen was meanwhile I could have gone straight down to the kitchen but I didn't want to walk through the to the bedroom so then I went away the and then I would go that way and I would suddenly get into the kitchen and be like oh I would have some Chateau E. that was around like a little splash whatever you know try to whatever was we'll was snack and suddenly what are done and I'd be like, oh, nothing, you know, it, it was wow. just real. It was that confining. But I will say, there is a certain thing in terms of no matter where you go, there you are. Because even here, even in my life now, even having this greatest week possibly because, you know, breaking the Spotify record and all the stuff that happened, like mm-hmm. I'm not too born porn, I'm not whatever. But having this happen at this point in my life and the book and all this stuff is so amazing but then i don't feel like oh i can just walk around in my underwear with you know no judgment or no whatever or walk around with like even talking to you guys right now like walk around with my hair looking a mess or this and that and that's really because of some of the things that have happened to me where i look at like quote unquote stardom as a fabulous thing and a goal that that once achieved is like you did it. Woo. But it also comes with this level of expectation.
5: You but always got to be, be that. Yeah.
4: You always got to be on. And if you're not, yeah. if you're not on, you fell out. Yeah. No, but even within your own home, people are like, What's wow. the matter? You, like if I'm not walking around, like, hi, because I've created this festive thing and I have to always be happy and, you know, make everybody else feel comfortable for me to just be allowed to be me. Um, and I feel like with the book, I've gotten to a place where I can say to people who may have walked all over me previously, like, did you read the book? Because if you did, you'd see that you need to actually treat me like a human being where right. like, mm. if I'm on a video shoot and there is no water and there is no covering, you know, there is no seat. Like you, like we were just doing this, the the Christmas, um, thing with, um, J-Hud and Iron Burnley. Right. So mm. the apple special and mm. I see J-Hud. Team and I see the second we break, right? Because you know, there's the union breaks and this, like her team is incredible. They got her seat, they got her water, they got her massage, they got her foot moment. And I'm just like, Yay, Jayha, because I love her so much. I think she's such an incredible person. And she deserves that treatment mm-hmm. more than anybody I know. But I took note of it and I was like, I've been having this struggle. For years, because what happens is, and even my therapist back in the day said to me, when you smile and you're on, people don't think there's a problem. They don't think there's anything wrong. T- yeah. yeah. You don't need to be. Taken care of. You don't need to be.
5: They don't think um, you're human. You're on.
4: Yeah. I'm on camera. I'm smiling. I'm here. I'm there. And it's lit. Well, and it's hair and makeup and it's outfits and it's sparkly. And then. I, I, then it cuts and everybody goes about the merry way. And if I don't have like a little morsel of food or just like someone helping me walk to the trailer or whatever it is, and that's a lack of management, you know, and this is, we're talking about 2001, but I'm saying this has been a pattern. And even to this day, like, I don't know, I just try to make people fit into like, get into this space where I'm expecting them to be caretakers, but really I'm the caretaker and I always have been.
0: So, so wait then. Is this book like the warning of what's to come then, Mariah? Because I mean, are you now at a point where you're understanding all these things and so you're, are you going into a I don't give a fuck phase? Uh, because <laughs> I feel like now is the time, now's the time to go into the I don't give a fuck phases. I don't give a fuck COVID, I don't give a fuck 2020. Like, why do you give a fuck?
4: Right, this, so yeah. here's, in the words of the immortal and ever-present Diana Ross, and I talk about this in the book, she said to me, we we're at top of the pops, which, you guys know what that is.
3: I know. That. Yeah.
4: You know that can make or break an artist. You might want to give them a little backstory on that. You can see everybody there.
6: Well, no,
3: it's, our 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 readership, our fans know what top of the pops is. They know what
4: it is. But in yeah. case some of my lambs happen to what listen, it okay. it it was a, a show that could literally make or break a record in the UK and yes. and around Europe. So you would oftentimes run into anybody from Phil Collins to you know Diana Ross, who I happen to run into, and she's there doing her own hair makeup. She she came into my room, you know, she's there and this is during this is um, around I'll be there remake time. So that's like I don't want to say numbers of years, but it's very beginning of my career, right? 90. Ah, ah la 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 la. Through. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's ninety two. But she said it's
3: ninety two. But who's counting? Okay,
4: was it not? Was it not? No, it was no, ninety two. Yeah, yeah, around that time. I don't even. It could have been right after that. But all I know is Trey wasn't with me because Miss Ross is Trey's favorite, and I was calling him and leaving voice messages with her. But anyway, she she scans the room. She's looking around the room. And she goes, she sees the hair makeup, the this and that, the wardrobe, the managers, the lookers on, the publicists, whoever they were. And she's by herself doing her hair, doing her makeup, walking barefoot in and out of the room. And she's like in the most glamorous way possible. And she's like, Mariah, one day you're not gonna have all these people around you. You're not gonna have all these people around you. And she said, someday you're not gonna wanna have all these people around you. And I was like, and now I'm like, I believe that someday is here. Good. If
6: they're
4: not serving a purpose of really helping you, why are they here? We are in the age of direct messaging, of figuring out your own narrative, you know, stuff. What is the purpose of people if they're not 100,000, trillion, quadrillion percent team MC and really, really care to be there? Why are you giving away money?
5: I wanted to ask you uh about one of my favorite jams of yours breakdown with Bone Thugs and
4: Harmony. <laughs> yes.
5: <laughs> That's my shit. How did uh what was that session like?
4: Okay, so so first, um I was with Stevie J and actually, I had the conversation with. Damn, I uh, forgot
3: Stevie J used to do music at one point. Amazing
4: music. We <laughs> uh, <he> love Stevie.
0: <laughs> yes, he made amazing music.
3: I forgot Stevie J was a. Le- he was a legit producer. Nah, Stevie, he was the dude. Yeah. Straight up. Was he as crazy back then as I know him now?
5: Uh,
3: from the TV shows and
4: such.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: that in general, because I don't. I don't really like keep up with that. I. I have my own memories of him back then. The Stevie J I
3: know is the Stevie J of VH1 reality shows. So I'm, I'm just trying to, was that person in England? Is that person, was that him? Always as? been there. <laughs> also very
4: charming. You know, <laughs> always very charming. I, I can't say. Nah, she was again, in Sony prison been.
3: then. That wasn't happening. I
4: was in Sony prison. But here's the thing. I don't think at that point that... It, it wasn't reality shows and stuff and it was still a grind because he was a bad boy producer, right? Mm-hmm. So he was the behind the scenes person making beats. Mm-hmm. And um, and we ended up, so I, I talked to Puff about the idea of Bone Bounce and Harmony, and we were very inspired by uh, Notorious Thugs, but mm-hmm. that was obviously more of a minor moment. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we kind of like flipped it to have more of the, like a little like happy part on top of that harder beat. So, you know, we ended up knowing that they were that crazy and wishbone were going to be on it. And, um, yeah, I was in the studio with, with Stevie J a lot. And then I ended up recording. I mean, I don't even want to tell this story. One of these days, if there's a part yes. two, I'm going to tell the story of this. It includes brownies. It includes. Yes. Lots of- yeah. Brownies and, and Busy bone Say what?
3: Oh, brownies and busy boy. <laughs> I'm sorry.
4: Brownies, brownies by myself.
3: Oh, sh- by okay. Myself. Okay.
4: Then, no, yeah, that session was a complete haze. Like when we were all together in the session, but I laid my vocals down first. So by the okay. time they heard the song, it already had that. You know, it had the case. Mm-hmm. it had that whole thing, and they were they were. It was clear that I was inspired by their flow and everything. So. It, so when i recorded my vocals though i went to florida and it was a whole thing with the brownies and whatever and then i and i I will get into greater detail at one at some point but when i listened back to it because i you know from my throat it would just be like okay brownies and my assistant at that time was like queen of brownies and so she (laughs)
6: she
4: gave me the brownies and then i'm at this restaurant in florida after i did the whole day of vocal like at doing my backgrounds, doing the vocals, layering them, putting it down, you know, laying out kind of like the parts I thought would be cool for the, for the guys. And then obviously they did their thing on top of it and their own thing to it. But I listened back to it afterwards, after I got in the car, after like, I got a paranoid moment, like people in the restaurant started recognizing me going, oh, my Carey, my Carey, can we take a picture with you? And I was like, had the brownie, so I'm like, mm. I still felt like my high school self and I was like, why do they want to take a picture with me? What, why, what is this? Cause I just wasn't used to the whole Brownies thing cause I was very never doing that. And then I'm like, okay, let's get out of here. So I get in the car and I put it on and I heard how kind of like how fast I was singing. And I said to myself, what in the hell is this? <laughs> like, this is not, what did I do? I hate this. I don't know. Not that I hate wow. it.
0: I, I love I the way know. it came together. You wouldn't have thought on paper, but then with the execution, I was like,
4: all yeah. right. Yeah, so anyway, I loved it after I finished it. But when I re-listened back to it after the Brownies thing, I thought I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 thought I had wasted a day. I thought I had wasted a session and that it was horrible. But anyway... After the recovery, which is a whole other story, Q-tip is involved via phone, whole thing. But, wow. <laughs> but after that, and I'm deliberately being evasive because I have to tell the story in detail at some point. But i
5: don't they,
4: they, then they laid there when we got so cut to back at the Hit Factory in New York, um, a complete and total haze with those guys. But I love working with them, and they, you know, they could hear that there was they had inspired the whole thing. So it was. Um, it was. It's still one of my favorites,
3: and I appreciate you. Nah, I love that I right. speak Speaking of which, oh, by the way, Fonte. You oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Fonte, I listen to that Busy Bone
5: interview like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> Man, a big busy man. Busy. Listen, yo, <laughs> yo, that that nigga, Business Bone, cause
3: <laughs> business Busy oh, Bone, yo, and Michael Henderson He a wild boy. <laughs> are three, are two things I have to listen to six times a
5: year, <laughs> oh <my laughs> just God. to make it through life. Mariah, did you ever watch B T uncut? Uh,
4: way back when,
5: yeah. Busy Bone had money. a song called "Uh Huh." Ain't nothing like money in like, like, Ziploc bags. It's one what? of his. <laughs> Ain't nothing like money in a zip black bag. It's it's a classic. (laughs)
6: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Listen, black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright, Deanna Williams. Women... In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel— I really had never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa! Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. So, uh, Mariah, I have a question. Uh, With honey.
3: I always Mm. wanted to know this. Okay. Okay. So, at the time when Honey was first being conceived, I was hanging with Tip a lot, and right. he was mad amped. Yo, I got this thing from Mariah. It's going to be incredible. And Goodbye, then, and you up. know, cut to four months later, it kind of went through the bad boy filter. Right. And I always wanted to know, like, what was the conversation that transpired that turned it from the original demo that i heard or at least the idea that he presented to you Mm -hmm. i mean obviously the question is of course you know by 97 anything Mm that he did was instant magic so it's like duh of course i'm gonna go you know go this route i get it Mm -hmm. but yeah how how did that transpire like as far as the the changing of it Cause the day it came out, I called him, and you know me again. I'm I'm a patch fiend. I was like, "Yo, these are your drum patches," mm-hmm. and he was like, "Nah, man, I gave." And this is a term that Tip always uses. He's like, "I gave her nigger drums, man," and nah, man, they use different drum patches. So, how did it? Uh, how did it I come betcha. from what I heard in the demo to what we now know?
4: You know, that era specifically with that song, honey, was mm-hmm. so much going on in my life. Don't forget, that was like, that was the first emancipation of Mimi before the actual one happened later yeah. in the Wait, even the before
3: first. Fantasy? I thought Fantasy was sort of the flag planting of... That was me this sneaking back.
4: I snuck that in. They didn't really know who ODB was. Had they seen his album cover and knew that he made songs about gonorrhea, I don't think that would have happened. You Um, mean two
3: years into the Wu Tang Clan, like no brass at Sony was like, "Uh, she wants to do with some rapper, no, whatever.
4: They didn't even know when I wanted to work with Jay Z. They didn't know who he was. Like Uh, they just weren't connected culturally and they thought I was on some kind of trying to be cool tangent. <clears throat> nigga music, <clears throat> nigga music. <clears throat> right. <laughs> it, it, really, it really was that, right. that it was a generation gap and it was a cultural gap. And it was just them feeling more comfortable with me going a different route. You know, they wanted to keep it AC. They didn't understand, but I didn't care. So, but when we go back to that, honey, um, specifically that record, yeah, Q Tash, as I call him, Q Tash, had come up with that body rock sample i guess yeah. that's what treacherous yeah. three body rock treacherous three and i loved it and i wrote the song to that loop but then when i guess somehow i don't really honestly i think i've blocked this part out so i don't want to oh. say it in an accurate way but i i know that at the time poppy and i had done the other record together fantasy and we were mm-hmm. working on stuff but you know there's a certain kind of um energetically if somebody's like
3: well let me disclose it it's it was the smarter move because it was it was the smartest move to do
4: I wanted to incorporate the right as that hey DJ DJ.
3: yeah
4: I wanted to I wanted to incorporate that and we had the regular you know the straight up loop from the treacherous three and then I wanted. Put that part, the Hey DJ part in for my own reasons, which I talk about in the meaning of you know, my Carrie, the memoir. When the same meaning and Mark at the same time, but messed that up. Anyway.
6: Oh, um,
3: DJ. You're so funny. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: You did that yeah. on purpose? Yes. Damn, savage. <laughs> nice one.
4: <laughs>
0: and I'll say,
3: read the book, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, oh, that's.
0: Wait, am I wrong in asking? No, nah, nah,
3: you didn't even get there yet. Trust me. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. I was going to ask one more honey question then, because, and I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sure you get into it in the book, but earlier on in the book, where I'm already at, I had discovered what? your dis, dis dislike for the dance but you just mentioned that you know this is also a stage in your life with honey where you felt free so i was like okay so the the freedom to do the choreography and stuff in the video was that like that free feeling and just saying fuck it like let's just go all out
4: Uh, you know i talk about my father's mother traumatizing me about Mm -hmm. dancing Roy, that ain't your baby, girl. Mm-hmm. That used to be Like it's a whole thing. Yes, you know, it's in the book. And That's my, why I said that part. But
0: I, but you're dancing, and honey, so I was like, do you get?
4: It? You got it back. Like, yeah, it didn't turn me into Janet Jackson. It's just well, like, no. one little, <laughs> one little choreograph <laughs> moment, and and it was cute. You know, I actually, I really loved that video, and that that was the only time I ever had fun making a video back then. That's the first time I ever was free to make a video and kind of like express myself and i work with paul hunter and Wait, more I, fun it, than heartbreaker no but heartbreaker is later Heart,
3: heartbreaker. no but I, I, you, use in terms of fun like like she was you a, girl. That,
4: yeah, you're like a the first time i had fun that was the honey video oh, okay was i was about to
3: say i thought heartbreaker was actually like wow okay that's oh, no, i thought that was, was you
4: fun. yeah okay no i'm sorry no but that but honey was The first time there was no ever-present other person on set telling me, don't do that, or telling the director not to film me in a certain way or what
6: to do.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Yeah. It was the actual first time, first taste of freedom that I had, even like back in the days with the I Don't Wanna Cry video, there was a male model in the video, and that got squashed real quick. That was a problem. It was problematic. I had a whole lecture about that, yeah
3: how awkward was it to take control of the reins and decide for yourself what you wanted um, at that period, at least at the, at the, at that period of your career?
4: Um, Like during honey or, you know, that's the whole, so it all stemmed from being able to extract myself from that, Controlling situation, which okay. was not easy because, as you know, and I don't know if you know, but like if you get into something as a kid and you allow that pattern to continue, it's very difficult to break free from that because other people just expect you to go along with it. They expect you to go along with it. They're used to you being compliant and you just deal with it. So, especially when you're dealing with someone up at that level, which now there really isn't anyone that powerful to me, like because right. the way uh. this. The artists were in control of the lot. Everybody except me. You are that power now. <laughs> no, I, well, we artists can be that powerful at this point, as, you know, especially if right. we have people to with that. But back then, everybody was scared of that corporate, as I call it, the corporate morgue, led by specifically one person who was uber powerful. They were all scared to death, including me. So when I started, when I got to the point that I could no longer take it, is when I decided, okay, I have to break free and I got to figure out how to do it. So if you listen to the Butterfly album and the lyrics on that album, specifically Butterfly, um, mm-hmm. that was what I hoped somebody would say to me. Like, wild horses uh... will be entitled or their spirit dies. You know, I wanted them to say, you know, I wanted them to say that like, you know, and I truly feel your heart will lead you back to me when you're ready to land. I wanted to hear that, but I didn't hear that. So I wrote it to my I wrote it to someone else as a lyric for that song, and for that time, and it and it was very um, much what I just I had to gain the strength. Like if you listen to Petals from the Rainbow album, that's about like all the people that were screwed up in my life. And this is not me blaming everybody else. I'm sure I was a you know part of it too. I allowed it to happen. But
6: mm-hmm. to
4: break free not only from a personal relationship, but from a massive corporate structure where you are, have been the number one artist on that label and you also started out as a child, really. Um, mm-hmm. And then also your whole personal life is surrounded by people that are slave to that system. <laughs> it's really not easy to break free. And then the subsequent years, um, when I wasn't allowed to be free, even when I was on another label or even when I was trying to do my own thing, there was a concerted effort to kind of squash that or quash that or whatever the proper terminology is. So there was until the emancipation of Mimi there, when I got with a new group of people, fortunately, you know, after all the stuff that happened, um, there was no, there was no freedom. There was nothing. There was a constant fight, whether I was inside the structure or having gotten out of structure, there was a constant fight a constant battle. And it just made me sort of implode and it, and it really, really screwed me up. But what can you do? Here I am and it's great. Hallelujah, thank God. And Man. you know, Man. I'm not going to dwell on that stuff. But I talked about it in the book because I wanted to actually, in when people years from now tell my story, hopefully that happens, they're gonna have to use that book as a template. Like uh-huh. this is, actual story. And I look at a lot of people that I admired who didn't get a chance to do that. They didn't, they may have told their stories through their music and people may ha- interpret their stories. And I know some True. people, Amir, like to have everybody else's input and their perspective. But what mm-hmm. I wanted was to tell my actual story, which doesn't begin with, Ronnie Carey put out Vision of Love in 1990. No, it doesn't uh-huh. begin with that. I'm coloring in the wrong crayon with a brown crayon from my father, so they all freak out at me. It begins with like I don't understand my hair because I'm you know, it begins with all these identity issues, these issues of race, these struggles, and then it goes, you know, it goes to the it, the issues of control, and people, you know, always wanted to have control, and even though that's not my song, but I'm just
6: saying.
4: <laughs> there's a thing where this this is a constant theme and it's also like just being a woman in a male dominated industry and then a woman of color with all this ambiguity and people deciding how they're going to market me and all of that shit. So
5: what were some of the things you mentioned earlier that, you know, you would hear things that, they you know that people would say that you know you know you wouldn't be privy to if like if you had darker skin or whatever so like what was some of the stuff and you don't have to attribute it to anyone but just like what's some of the stuff you would hear like white people say around you that you know what i'm saying that you knew was it wasn't right um, Whether about your music or whatever you know what i'm saying
4: i'm going all the way back to childhood i'm going to yeah
5: I'm
4: going to kindergarten i'm going to like I said, coloring with the brown crayon and having the entire, the teachers come over and go, why did you use that crayon? Like I used a green crayon, but because they just didn't know. So, and having the entire class stare at me, basically I was humiliated. And that's the first time I realized I was different from anybody else because they had only seen my white mother coming and going you know, but my parents also were divorced. I'm quite sure if I had had a different, I would have had a different experience with a a family that was married if they were going to be a mixed family. They started out in Brooklyn Heights. If they had just stayed married, stayed in Brooklyn Heights, like where diversity is more, um, they're used to diversity a bit more than like feeling like, oh, let me, you know, both of them, I feel like both my parents Mainly my father was like, I want my kids to have a better life. So he thought moving, you know, like he thought doing Baby that, boomers. <clears throat> yeah, they like that was good. He thought that was going to make it better, but really it made it worse. And I, It made it know, worse. I, I talk about, like, I don't know my ex-siblings experiences. I know what I've heard. I'm sure it was horrible for them and I feel bad for them, but they thought it was easier for me. And in actuality, it was probably I, I won't say it's worse or better because i can't speak for anybody's experience but my own but i know that um sorry. yeah I, so i tried to deal with that um selflessly in the book you know i tried to give that sort of like you know look they put me through hell and I, in my opinion i'm not going to say who's what and who did what but right the point is I heard a lot of stuff. Like I have this song called Close My Eyes, which is one of my fans' favorite. And it's from one of my favorites from the Butterfly album. And it goes, I was a wayward child with the weight of the world that I held deep inside. Life was a winding road. And I learned many things little ones shouldn't know. But I closed my eyes, steady my feet on the ground, raised my head to the sky, and the time rolled by. So I feel like that child as I look at the moon, maybe I grew up a little too soon. Meaning I was in this fucked up place. And I had to grow up on my own and figure it out by myself, you know? So here I am, there is no woe is me. It, this is just my story, it's unique to me. And other people that have had similar experiences, I guess, will understand it or hopefully it will empower other people um, mm. to feel like they're important enough, they're worthy enough to um, exist because I actually didn't feel worthy. But I did have, thank God, a spark of hope to know that one day i would
5: get out of um the situation i was born into mm-hmm. i was gonna say ask you uh, mariah do you think that in your marriage to tommy and what you refer to as the the kind of sony prison years uh do you think that played a role in you marrying nick and choosing someone that was at least on paper like very different <laughs> you know what i'm saying
4: very different from the first marriage
5: from the first marriage i mean yeah on paper i mean i don't know what was what the marriage was like but on paper it, it appeared that way
4: yeah i mean look the power dynamic in the 1st like i laugh at mm. it now because i would have two marriages whatever i'm like do oh, you mean my first ex-husband my second <laughs> <husband?"> <laughs>
2: Hey, it's all
5: good. I'm on my second time around, too. Don't need trip. It's all good.
4: Keep
0: in mind the second Five. time. Five. No, I'm playing. I would no. just like to be invited. Sorry. Go
5: ahead. It's <laughs> coming. Uh,
4: no, honestly, that was... It was fun. It was great fun, but it was just one of those things. No, it was great. Nick and I... um had fun and it was like, let's just be kids and have a good time and whatever. And the, the bottom line is we co-parent now and we um, have two kids that I love that make my life a better thing that that give me unconditional love, um, I, I hope. <laughs> and um, yeah. so, it's, so it's, a, it's a totally different experience. It's a completely different experience. But yes, I don't think I would have ever done, how could I do... There could never be a situation where I would be that vulnerable to being fully under somebody else's control like that ever again. How that's good. You, you Everybody know, don't learn that. their lessons. Everybody don't learn their lessons. So that's good. No, nah, for but real. I'm it's honestly impossible. How can you be, you can't recreate like, okay, there's going to be this mobile Oh yeah, right. kid that has nothing, that has a dollar uh, a week, a day, and then they're going to help you know, give you your record deal, but you're actually going to write all these songs, produce them, do this and that, and then and you're going to make them money and their corporation money, but still they're going to control it. And still you.
5: have to split the damn bills,
4: right? That was me. I blame myself. <laughs> yeah, she wanted
3: ownership. So, Mariah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now that the book is out mm-hmm. and has done well, obviously, I mean, I would think the next logical step. And, you know, when I finished the book, I was like, okay, I, I already feel like Lee Daniels is already speaking to her like. Ooh, that's a good do- one. Well, but but then I thought about it and it just hit me that not, not enough Bruja was made on your. Precious. Performance and yes. Precious.
5: Yeah.
3: and
6: But
3: it circles and back to who she is. Yes, yes. And in recapping, um your videos for this episode mm. um and again re- also recapping your 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 uh, narration of the audiobook yeah i are you ever going to get on are you properly going to get on the acting horse again I has happy, glitter uh, made you gun shy, or like
0: what cuz precious came so much I, after so. i know but after. i'm
3: just saying that yeah. Is, is I feel like that's an area that you really, really should explore because you, you're your comic timing is on point with the book and <laughs> the shorts you did with Funny or Die were also funny, you know, like engaging. Do you want to explore the acting world and immerse yourself in it for real? This go around or are you just fine with like, okay, I, I tried it once and I'm fine?
4: Well, here's the thing. So when I first met Lee Daniels, it was post-glitter. And he Uh was actually, and I had done this movie called Wise Girls with Mira Servino that was an an independent movie. Yeah, so that could have been a great movie. not only about great, but it was supposed to have been um, narrated by her character. Um, A lot of the scenes were kind of like added at the end, but it's like the land of independent filmmaking. So- My original goal was always start, I always wanted to act, but my original, uh, like, if I had, if I could create, like, here's my path, it was to start with independent projects, to do things that were character driven, to work with great directors, et cetera, et cetera. But that, the whole acting thing was completely a non-starter for the corporate morgue, one person mainly. Okay. so it wasn't even crazy. allowed. It. And I talk about it in the book, so this is no secret. I'm actually being more cagey, whatever about it than I was in the book, but it it wasn't allowed. It just wasn't allowed. So my path of like, let me do these gritty independent projects was just it wasn't even that it wasn't encouraged. It was blocked. It was not it was not allowed. So in developing glitter, what happened was they um, very much whitewashed it, quite literally. Um, you know, the studio, this, the that, and then by the end of it, there was so much. Oh, it just all was so incestuous. And the label into with this and the yeah. that, and then having like left. Um, you know that whole situation. The,
6: mm-hmm. It
4: just became like there was there was no script. It was all over the place. And it wasn't right. And then it came out on, you know, September 11th, 2001. So what are you going to do? But then, but then me, yeah. But then like, you know, Wise Girls and Lee had seen that. And then he was like, I love your acting. Like you should, you should be encouraged. So we worked on a couple other projects together. And then we did Precious, which he called, he called me the day before. and was like, Hey, you want to do this? I had read Push by Sapphire, which I don't know if you guys read that, but I read yeah, it yeah, we know yeah, yeah. so anyway, my yeah. Friend Ron um, had given it to me, we're on the beach in Ibiza and read it twice. So when I knew that Lee was doing the, the movie, I was like, wow, did I think there was a part for me in the movie? No, not really, who knew his take on it? But I'm so happy that I did because he's a visionary, he's a great director, mm-hmm. and he understood what it took to put me in a role and have it be not, quote, Mariah Carey. So we did that, and working with Monique and Gabby was just like really being in it, really being in it. And I loved it, But yeah. Can I
0: ask you though, because now through reading the book and knowing mm-hmm. your life and the characters that are come in and out of your life and the situations that you've been in and knowing that mm-hmm. character and Precious, which whoo, I just, you blew me away mm-hmm. like no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us between, was it something personal that you were drawing from? And what was the direction from Lee to you about that character?
4: Lee's direction is pretty much always this, do nothing, do nothing, okay. do nothing. Like, like he, no, and I, I'm laughing when I say that because, of course, he gives more direction. But let's say after he gives you his direction, he's like, okay, okay, do nothing, do nothing. And I'm like, how, how do I do nothing? But I have to say on that particular shoot, yeah. we really only did like three or four takes of that. And it was so powerful because I, so I had worked with a woman named Karen Giordano, who's a really um, close friend of mine and who is an acting coach, but also a director. And Lee was working with her on Precious, mainly with the girls um, in the scene at um, each one, each one. And so they were, um, it was all improv. He loves imp- improvization. So it, you know, she was like, Oh my gosh, this is a, this is an incredible thing energetically that's happening with this movie. And she was so excited about it. And then the last minute he called me and me and Karen just put together kind of like a backstory for the character really quick. And Lee's main concern was, you know, he had a prosthetic nose made for me, which we didn't even end up using, but putting it on and taking it off because my skin is so sensitive, made it enlarged anyway. So that was great for him. Because that was his main concern. He thought he caught me putting on, on makeup. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh but you know, everybody had their makeup and hair and their shirts, but his main thing, and I loved it because a lot of people when I when the movie first came out, they didn't even recognize me Mm -hmm. because there was an accent, there was a whole different look. So to answer the the initial question, do I want to do more of it? I don't know. It would depend on the director, it would depend on the role. Honestly, I don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. I want to do it for the creative experience, but I do know that like I am high maintenance. I Me as Mariah Carey, I'm not freaking high maintenance. And no.
6: Always,
4: <laughs> no, I am. And I've always said it. I said it in some interview. I think it was for the, the Guardian. I'm like, yeah, I've always been high maintenance. I just didn't have people to facilitate the maintenance. So <laughs> even honestly, as an
0: actress, you're high maintenance. Like how, Mariah, the singer, one thing, but when you go to set and stuff, it's
4: still the same expected.
0: No, oh, okay.
4: For that role, absolutely not. Like, and, okay. and, Lee wouldn't have tolerated it. I know it's, that's right. It, yeah, I just have to get, it's, it, if that's the role and that's what we're doing, then that's what we're doing.
6: Yeah. But
4: if I want to do another project, I love behind the scenes. I love executive producing. I love writing. You know, I love all of that stuff. And, and yes, I want to act more and I want to do things that are fun. Um, speaking of which, Amir, how was your experience as Curly? This is not my interview <laughs> interviewing you right now that's why i'm here <laughs> i just want to know because i loved that i loved that moment of you being able to be a part of a part of that without you know i, I just I, I in my mind like i would love to do some animation I would love to
0: do some more of that type of stuff. You
4: know, oh, this is for soul. Time. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. So yeah, how was your experience
6: It was a
3: dream come true. Yes. It was it was historical. I love it. This is not my interview. You're not getting off. And- <laughs> okay. No, but I, I, I really think um Yeah, I mean there's some people that have to ease into acting mm-hmm. and do a lot of prep work and, you know, get with their coaches and all that. But you, you have a, a really natural, believable acting ability that I, I think that you should explore more. Like your, your timing is great, which I think comes from singing or whatever, but I, I think you should explore that. So, you know, I really, I
4: really do want my to. two I just, cents. No. And I, by the way, that's a very, a lot of two cents coming from you mm. because of taste level and everything that you know, just knowledge-wise. I'm just like, what I, the mistake I made with glitter, which maybe it wasn't a mistake. It was probably supposed to happen that way. You have to have a huge fall for people to care about you again, I guess. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe it is just me. That's just what they, <laughs> how they do to be. But, um, you know, after that experience, I realized you have to work with somebody a, a top tier person to bring out the best in you. It's like anything. It's like collaborating on a song. Like you can lead the way you could be the one doing most of it, but at least, you know, when you have someone where it's a, the scales are more balanced, I feel like that's, that's a different experience. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, maybe
3: Lee's your person. Yeah. I'm just putting he, it out
4: there. Lee person. I believe that he, he is. And we've been talking about, you know, some ideas. It's just a big, to put this memoir and and adapt to adapt it into like where we are talking about taking it, it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting. You it's a I mean? series. It's a it's a
0: series.
5: Yeah, it can't even it be a, a series. Yeah, all day. <laughs> I mean, is.
4: Fonte, just
0: like the early years. I, yeah. yeah,
3: it is. Yeah, it, it can easily be before. an Amazon a part season. Like, a, yeah, that's Maybe. that's a, it's a no brainer.
4: We've been talking about that. And that's not necessarily Amazon, but I'm saying that's the thing like, and what to the earlier discussion about why or writing the book or what, I don't know, I don't think anybody said why, but just to answer the, the thing about like how this whole thing happened, um, I said initially I wanted to emancipate my little girl self, like little Mariah, that was the goal because nobody knew her, she wasn't famous. I'm, I know I'm speaking about myself in the third person, but really I feel like my little I understand. Yeah. yeah, it's like a different person because people she wasn't famous. Nobody knew she was. She's this poor little, you know, for what a lot of people thought of as like this mongrel type of a person, and mm. so you know, a sad kid, but with a lot of hope and, and ambition and stuff. But again, the the film adaptation, whether it's a series or whatever, has to be has to bring that girl to life. Do you know what I mean? Has to show people. Right. It's not just this princess thing that you're seeing. There's a lot of oh, real stuff yeah, that happens.
3: Hey, is there a person that you've longed to work with that you have not worked with yet, or uh, have you checked off everything off you, on, on your uh, your bucket list?
4: My bucket list? No, I don't really have a bucket list. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's people on it. You're on it. Maybe people are on it like I'm just not, oh, not-
3: you're saying that to all the curlies <laughs> <saying>.
4: <laughs>
6: no, but I mean in
3: terms of I mean because and, and I, don't, I don't consider this you know the the the, re, the 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 victory lap of all I wanted is you as a I don't consider that a, a curtain call or a swan song or anything but right. like is there is there Anything that you haven't done that you wanted to do but wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? I forgot. Wow. I forgot. Wow. I totally forgot. Dude, we have to talk about it. Chick.
4: Thank you. I totally forgot too.
3: I forgot. Oh, okay, so you guys don't know. I oh damn, I don't even know if I should reveal this much. Basically, in in the shortest way possible, Mariah pulled a Charlie XCS uh, icona pop move. She prior, made a.
4: It was prior to to her.
3: Oh um, yeah, I know, I know, but I'm I'm trying to put in <laughs> contemporary term. She she basically made a um a a, a dummy album or a side project. Uh, a Chris Gaines, if you will. I was about to say, a thank you. That's better to for through me. Every, thank you. Give me Chris Gaines. Wait, you don't I know, know that. That, that, uh, that Icon of Pop is Charlie X's secret? I don't secret. even know. I'm, I'm oh, a, okay. I weird.
5: didn't even know who well, yeah, yeah, Charlie XZX was.
3: Damn, y'all. You made me feel stupid yesterday, Abier. Look, I work at The Tonight Show. I have to know who every Gen Z person yeah, there's a song. No, like, means, I get it. But we, that, you're the only one that, that was were the song. Right, so. I don't care. I love I,
0: it. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, right. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> Charlie
3: XCX didn't want to ruin her credibility. So she milly vanillied that song out of these two model girls named I Kind of Pop. But it kind of backfired because that song became super
5: big. That shit popped.
3: <laughs> right. Yo. Even though Charlie XCX is. Even though she's a name in her own right, she uses the icon of pop thing as sort of uh, an excuse to... It was like Prince in the time. Right, but we knew that Prince was Madhouse, <laughs> and we knew that Prince was the time, and we knew that Prince was Sheila E., and we knew that Prince was no, game. So This
5: Charlie S. X things was totally... That was totally Wait, anonymous. No one knew that was mine. Okay, so I feel
0: silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa! Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
3: Okay, so let me rephrase the question. The, the The question was that the the general public doesn't know that uh, you've made the secret album called Chick. Yes. Nice. In which uh, you kind of let loose and made uh, uh, a very convincing alt alternative rock record. What year did you record Chick? Uh,
4: the same year that I was doing the Daydream album, so.
3: 95?
4: Yeah, Always Be My Baby and Sweet um, Day okay. and, and all that, yeah. Can I find it?
3: No. Nope. <laughs> I wanted to, I, I, I didn't know how close to the chest you were with it, so I, I didn't share it with them. But can um, we
4: play one song? Can we play like a part of a song? <laughs>
3: Would
4: it well, be a debut. It'll be a. I mean, but I, I just can I, can I can I give my own little disclaimer about this. I mean, yes, do what you need to do. Okay,
3: when the credits roll, we'll play it at the end of the show.
4: Okay, but well, don't we don't have to play the whole song. But I just want to say what what really was going. Unless you want to ask me about what was
3: going. I do want to ask. So okay, so to set it up, you you made um, kind of your version of Seattle grunge nihilistic alt rock record you know what what was on your mind like what made this happen it's it's one thing to do one song but you made a mm-hmm. whole ass album out of it mhm
4: i was like observing the landscape at that time as a 20 whatever year old mm-hmm. woman making music and having success in a very kind of specific couple genres and looking at um other people that seem to be able to just be so as I, me and my friend call it so fucking carefree. Like how how are you so carefree that you can do whatever you want? You can wear whatever you want. Now I guess everybody can, but at the time it was just like, Oh, I can, they could just wear like a dirty slip and socks and, and you know what I mean? Like in that, in that grunge moment, I was jealous. I have to say, I was like, and not that my image was perfect, and I, if I could go back and unblow out my bangs, I would definitely do that and have different styling and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I was looking at it, and I was like, because I did grow up listening to, like, Blondie and um, not not exclusively Blondie. I just mean if there were other genres, it would be, like, you know, Pat Benatar and Blondie and mm-hmm. then whatever rock groups and then you know I, I was a child of the radio so I listened to all different things rock music whatever you know um mainly obviously like r and and soul music and gospel and whatever but then there was also this like heavy rock quotient that was around like where I was going so yeah and, Long Island. yes but there was everything there was obviously there was hip-hop there was this there was you know, whatever it was, but there was a very strong thread of that happening, right? So when I saw the whole grunge thing going on, I was looking at it like, oh my gosh, they just say whatever they want. They say anything that they want and they get away with it. So I would be like working on, let's, for example, say like One Sweet Day, like fitting up mixes or whatever we were doing, overdubs, and the band would be there, like my band from the little touring that I did. So... I just one night was like I was just singing stuff and making fun of like not making fun of but just like doing my own little impersonations as I do. And then I said to um, Gary, who was the, my guitar player at the time, I was like, can you just play? Because he's sitting there with his guitar and he was doing overdubs on something totally different. I'm like, mm-hmm. can you just play it? like whatever? So he starts playing it and we just that's the song called Joe. Mm-hmm. That's not the one I would love to hear. I would love to hear Hermit. But um, so then I just started writing stuff down, like anything I wanted to say. Finished it in like five minutes or 10 minutes. And it was for laughs. But then as the projects that like every night when we'd be working and actually like the corporate people were on a trip to Italy at that time. So they weren't there to
3: stop the flow. So I- wait, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. you allowed. Yeah. You allowed Sony Brass in your sessions? I had to
4: allow one Brass member who was mm. like,
3: Sony who was prison. the
4: Brass. <laughs> the
3: okay. maker of Brass. Right. right. <laughs> I forgot. I, I totally forgot. Okay. I,
4: never. No, nobody else. Like he, even he wouldn't allow anybody else in there. But never never during my vocals was anybody allowed in there. Still not. Um, but I'm saying like they would be, a, if they were around, it would be like a Swift let me pick you up at seven and we'll go to dinner at La Scala or wherever. And then I had to be in that wifey world of corporate people. So it took me from like a complete creative head to here I am. Like, Mm. I think such and such, you know, we talk about it in the chapter called Thanksgiving is canceled. That's kind of one of my favorite things. And then this year Thanksgiving really was canceled. So it was ironic, but anyway, Mm -hmm. so I just ended up, every night like recording something new and writing something new and it was just as a as a creative outlet but then i would then we actually mixed it and did it and recorded it you know recorded it mixed it mastered it
3: would Would you do it in 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 another room because i mean 95 i don't think it's that i mean now i could tell steve all right put this other song up real quick and he can you know sort of with technology and a Mm -hmm. snap do that but 95 you're working with reels and that sort of For thing. The so
4: there's are still pro tools at that time.
3: So you would just make them erase the board and then put up your reels so you could work on your like weren't they scared? Like, well, what if Tommy comes in here and sees what we're doing or
4: No, because at a certain point I, I told him he knew about it, but it, it wasn't like we went we had separate reels, like I've just found them that say the name okay. of oh, that, wow. the group. So after we, you know, they the engineer just started rolling, like you know, I mean, at that time, it wasn't like we had to worry about. Oh my gosh, a, a new t- a new roll of tape. Like, you right. know, we do what we had to do, and you know, most y'all, of us Y'all was we-
5: printing money, shit. <laughs> yeah,
4: so we. Y'all was doing that- numbers. <laughs> yes, yes, and we we want to do that again, but it's impossible because with streaming, we know that the artist makes less than. You know, what percentage of a penny do the artists make? Basically, point
5: oh oh one. Yeah.
4: Yeah, oh, oh, oh. something crazy, yeah. Very small, I failed remedial math, so I don't know how to do that math, but I just know if you did 130 million streams in a week, you should make at least a dollar off that, and you don't. <laughs>
6: right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this was a labor wow. of love, and just this was just me being like, let me just do this, write it down, whatever. The musicians loved it because it was totally, it was a total departure from what we were doing, and they got to be free they got to just we were all kind of in a in an act like it was an act it was a whatever you call it it was uh what do you call what did you call it an alt
3: rock um alternative rock uh but what's the fu-
0: what's the future of it well will will, 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 will folks ever know will it all be like a red herring
3: i feel like if you officially release it though the magic ends like that's the thing prince's the black album was so legendary when
0: mm-hmm. it was like a secret one song, just do one song,
3: and then that shit came out, and
5: niggas was like, and It yeah. came out, and there's like, ah, the magic's <laughs> mm-hmm. over. Yeah, I mean,
4: but to your point about it being, um, what did you say when you first brought it out? Oh, doing one song versus doing an album, like you yeah,
3: did, loved- did a whole album,
4: and I also did you see the artwork? I did the artwork myself,
0: the I copied and
3: everything, yes.
4: Oh, that's not nice, y'all. This is mean. No, Day I brought my friend Clarissa I, and I said you know what because certain people were like oh you can't put this out there I also changed the lyrics so a lot of it was a little bit more with the profanity and stuff because oh, that's man. I, just, I know but he made me change it and oh, put some it. I know but, but I have the wheels at this point so at some point I'm gonna put out my own version, but I don't have the board mixes. All I have are like all the separate tracks, like ten guitar tracks, and right. you know all of this. I gotta get
3: back into it. Mariah, do you know what Record Store Day is?
5: Man, no, idea. Man, man, okay, clean the fuck up. I'm gonna tell you
3: how to do this, son. So, Record Store Day, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it happens in the second Saturday of April. Mm -hmm. And they made a second one uh, for Black Friday in November. But what Mm -hmm. it is is um, sort of sound nerd, uh, audio nerds like us people. I mean, this is the equivalent of like New Jordans coming out. So some people will sleep outside of what was formerly known as Amoeba Records in L.A. I mean, it moved to another location. It didn't shut down, but... Basically record store day is a day that pretty much everyone lives for in April to buy like rare you know, somebody Jack White. Will exclusive print up, joints. Yeah. yeah, exclusive. So Jack White will print up like five thousand copies of some particular like song that, you know, it's either a forty five or maybe like a ten inch or whatever. But they do it they do it in small numbers. So it's almost like art and mm-hmm. usually you know, you, somebody will wind up paying like a gazillion dollars on eBay for it or something like that. I think you should make I think you should make 5,000 copies of the record that you intended to make and just secretly mm-hmm. release it on Record Store Day and just I let the let, let the legend of Chick go out lit. that way.
4: I agree. And you know what? I think it should be that. And also the artwork should be, I should do the original artwork. Yep. And Sonic, I freaking, people don't even know. I literally wrote, okay, so it's a dead roach. That's mm-hmm. the cover. Then it's a lipstick written chick on top of it that I wrote in my handwriting. Right. The title is Some Ugly Daughter. That's the title of the album. Mm-hmm. And then the back, the back of the album is a crushed makeup, thing of makeup like eyeshadows or so pink blue pastels and then i just did like with a fork at the hit factory i just like did and then took a picture of it and then wrote all the wrote all the song titles on the back and then the, the CD itself, I did like, kissed it. Like it's a whole thing. Like the actual, the physical CD is amazing. And somebody gave me a copy. Somebody gave me a copy because I didn't have one. Like, you know, it was for laughs. And then like I did it and then they, they ruined it by making, not that they ruined it. I love Clarissa. She did a great job um, singing on top of it. And, and and we worked on a couple songs. I didn't send you those two. I did the original album as intended. That's what I sent to you, mm-hmm. um, Amir. But anyway, so it became like a thing where it wasn't allowed to be me anymore. What I was going to do is back then release it, do a total different character visually, and then hopefully have a hit with one of the songs and then reveal that it was me and be like, huh? Cause at that time it was very much like if you were quote unquote popular on the pop charts, you could not have critical acclaim. They just right. didn't give it to you. They just didn't care. It was just like, da, da, da. you know, we like this artsy person. We like this edgy person, whatever. And so it was what it was. But at this point, I do think Chick needs to have its own thing. And I actually been having conversations with someone I'm not going to name about doing like another version of Chick, some of those songs and writing a couple new ones. And I'm asking you now if you will write those with me or at least like explore it because she's a young oh. 16-year-old girl who is very famous and she's perfect for this and we've already had conversations about it and i'm planning on like hopefully working on it this coming yo
5: billy eilish <laughs> no yeah,
4: okay. we know that.
6: But uh, we... <laughs> <guessed it> already. <laughs> i'm like yo
5: <laughs> I actually no nah, i'm a right but why right why actually, actually why you bullshitting Actually, yeah. why you bullshitting? Come yeah. on,
3: who I know, I know who you chose, Mariah, but on the real, <laughs> yeah, Fonte's right.
4: We talked about it. She and I. She's an actress, but she wants to sing as well. And no, it's,
3: it's a good look. It'll work with her too. It'll work. You
4: know I'm talking about, right? Yeah,
3: I know. It'll work. Okay. Now, I think you should.
5: It's I think you should definitely do that, um, Mariah. Because out of I yeah. mean, you've been talking now for like three hours. Out of everything that you've talked about, this is the most excited you've sounded about anything.
4: Well, because I'm, I can talk about my own top stories all the live long day, but this is something that <laughs> got watched, and it's something that's fun. Like it's not you don't yeah. sit there and pick. I'm not picking it apart.
5: And this sounds oh. like you. I mean, it's just just from, you know, just us uh, sitting here having this conversation, you know, mm-hmm. this sounds like the thing that most, feels like it most represents you. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, seems like true to who you are. And, I mean, my
4: know? music represents me. I'm not saying it doesn't. It represents right. a silly side of me that was, at a time, really needed an outlet. It mm. was a musical culture, but it was for laughs, which is how I get through most things is just making jokes and getting through it. So it was like combining two kind of, two defense, two not defense mechanisms, two escape mechanisms, you know, two, you know, it was music and it was fun and it was me like just writing for laps. That's why I want to play that song, Hermit, because, but the funny thing is, even my daughter Monroe was like, so she heard it, she heard the song Malibu and then she heard the rest of the songs and she just started singing the one hermit that goes, I am vinegar and water," like, it's in the accent, mm-hmm. this whole thing. <laughs> she heard it. She goes, she's nine. She goes, mommy, can you send me the chick's?
5: Uh, album. and I'm like, oh. yo, I'm ta- <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yo. Amir said,
4: "You promise Now
0: i just want to say, it sounds amazing.
5: This record sounds amazing. Yes, right? you, you have to put this out.
0: Song we will this
5: play episode. it on the fade. We'll play he her prom- it on the fade. Yes, no, okay, we, will. we are
4: not editing
5: this out. All right, but wait, Mariah. I don't know how you guys go
4: this long without having music in the background? To be honest with you, because well, this is because we're
3: just- on Zoom. If if this were the real format oh, of the show, then I would have the the ability to add music, but. I'm a because a riot. of COVID and Zoom, oh,
4: Mariah, roll call. That would have been.
3: Mm. I know. I miss roll call.
4: Yeah, I, I know. I was like, oh, I'm glad I don't have to be put under that pressure with the
3: roll I, call. <laughs> I, I miss roll call. But wait, can I ask something though? So basically, what was what I what, I, what I'm gathering is what was freeing for you, and what mm-hmm. elated you was sort of the carefreeness of creating music. Um kind of without a care and being honest and just putting it all out so, there
4: but for it was the, also being I would have to get through it without laughing some of the time
3: like that was part of yeah, it yeah but humor here's the thing though and even though I'm like clam, even though I'm clamoring it in the mountains on the mountaintops about your acting it's really mm-hmm. your sense of humor which I never knew you had mm-hmm. you know what I mean oh, so but the that's thing
4: like my fans knew but
3: yeah. if no one cares to know I can't expect people to know you know
4: like well, it's just like you know
3: well, yeah. let me rephrase it no everybody I, I've didn't get the joke yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no 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 I'm not on the outside looking in I've been to many a Mariah concert I've 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 known I know you have a sense of humor but it's it's relaxed time but what what I feel that the white elephant question I want to ask is mm. like would you ever try to create an album in that vein not under the guise of like well I'm gonna do a music genre that's totally the opposite of what I'm known for would you not ever try to exercise that sort of freedom uh in your actual Mariah career not like hey guys let's have some fun and do an alternative rock record or let's do a samba record or let's do a Afrobeat record, like
4: yeah. Yeah, we, I never said, and I, I hear what you're saying, but I never said to them, "Let's do an alternative rock album." I was just in that era when all that right. stuff was huge, and and they happened to be very talented musicians in the room who could easily pull that off, mm-hmm. and and actually sometimes we deliberately did stuff not perfectly, and right? Yeah, uh,
5: you had to play down, yeah.
4: But it was fun. Like, it was just fun. So it, to, to answer your question, I would love to do, honestly, I have another concept that I want to talk to you about that we also kind of touched on. Um, and I would do whatever. Like, no, I don't want to ever. I'm not, I'm not inspired to do a Samba record. I'm not inspired to do, like, whatever. I mean, I would totally do something that's not my genre. Here was the great thing about that moment. Mm-hmm. It was just free. It was just free. And I know people experience that it, without having it. An alternative ego or whatever,
1: mm-hmm. like
4: most people experience that. I'm sure when you're making music, most of the time, it's out of joy. Like I don't know, I can't be sure about anything, but right, it's not it's not constantly nitpicking yourself or putting yourself like, oh, I hate that. Let me do it again. Like that's that's how I am. I put myself. But is myself it easy? Is it there. easy
3: for you to create and craft songs without having to also be your judge and jury? an executioner like you know to the point where okay i have to make sure that this is notes correct like i'm a guy that loves i love mistakes i love imperfection you know mm-hmm. i love wrong notes i love bending notes i love you know i i love imperfection so much like but could you do you think you could ever like
5: let your allow yourself down to be a little that bit, free or, yeah yeah
4: and put it out or just do it for laughs?
5: Nah, put it out as, not as like a side silly project, put it out as Mariah Carey.
4: It depends on what it was. I would have to be in the room and feel what we're doing. Like, what's the inspiration? What are we doing? Like, where are we coming from? Like, yeah, we can, I would all day experiment all day. I'm not gonna commit to prior to, oh yeah, this is definitely coming out.
3: But right. I would have all to right.
4: love live with it you know okay what's your thought amir
3: well this is the thing i'm glad we finally did this interview so we can have normal conversations because you and i have been cat and mousing for so long because i wanted our initial conversation to be this podcast so i could not nerd out on you in real life so
0: what y'all been talking this whole time
3: yeah but i mean like i've i've been purposely holding back because Usually when I start friendships it's it it starts in the guise of journalists and that makes people uncomfortable. Like mm. hey, by the way, uh, d- when you did that court and da like I wanted to get that out the way here.
0: What brought y'all two together anyway? The book, really.
3: The book I, I love the book. That's
0: right. Oh this him hitting you up about the food, <laughs> the, the Ritz cracker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. the, the,
3: the book strung me in. Um so, yeah, now a friendship can form.
4: That's dope. No, it really meant so much to me because, you know, you are an incredible writer and your level of knowledge is just, you know, as we all know. Awesome. Thank you, so, right. so No, but it's true. But then wait, the whole thing with the food in the book, it's a thing. Like, yeah. It really is a thing. How the
3: linguine turn out?
4: It was one of the best years, I got to say. It was definitely right, One amazing. of these
3: Christmases, I got to try this linguine. It's like I daddy's must.
4: linguine? Your dad's yes. clam sauce? Mm-hmm.
3: She only she only does it for Christmas. That's
0: the part I texted Amir about. I was like, mm, I want some of that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
4: I mean, I tell you, it's really good. And I didn't even know the secret ingredient were the onions. Because for years I was like, why can't I find any restaurant that makes my dad, like, makes better than my dad's linguine with white clam sauce like these Italian mm. restaurants even in Italy they don't do it as well I was like what is it that you know a black man from Harlem made- you just said it you, you just said it <laughs> oh, there it is but but the, but they didn't tell like he didn't I never had the recipe and then like the year before he died he um gave me the actual recipe
1: and oh. wrote it down
4: for and then I, yeah, and then I uh, it was the best gift he ever gave me. And then I realized what I was doing wrong. I never, I never saw him put on- onions in it as a kid, but they liquefy in the pan. That's the secret. So every year now I just do it. And it's this Christmas Eve, it's every Christmas Eve. I just decided well, I'm not doing Christmas dinner with the traditional nonsense. It was a mess this year. No offense to the chef or whatever, but the turkey was dry and everything. I couldn't do it. You yeah, cooked no offense this to the entire, chef.
3: you cooked last Christmas, you cooked?
4: Last Christmas night.
3: Oh, uh, we're in January now, so.
4: Yes, yes. I cooked my dad's recipe for linguine okay. white clam sauce. Christmas Eve, And then then I did Christmas dinner, but I supervised it, but not well enough. See, it's a constant thing. You have to micromanage everything. And I'm so tired of it. Anybody listening to this podcast, please DM <laughs> me. If you're not a psycho and you just want a job as like a facilitator, you feel that you really want to be in on a level where we're going to get to a very, very different level starting this year. Don't do it's that. The- Wait, you're talking about flip. food? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm talking about administrative assistant. I'm talking about executive. Ryan's hiring, of- hiring, and you're not you do not Mariah want that Kare trouble. Is <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> about <Yeah. laughs> we can't even organize this freaking podcast without all
6: this crap we, happening.
3: This this came you off without, without a knowledge. hitch mariah no yes. i i appreciate you 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 truly let your guard down i don't think you've ever given a three-hour interview before i haven't so i feel honored and i feel the love that you trusted me so much to to do this for me i yes even when you agreed i was like right. oh man this might be like michelle obama like 25 minutes
4: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, i'm enjoying
3: hanging
4: out with you guys and having Thank a you. Splash- there and stuff and thank you for having me and and everything else
3: um mariah we thank you so much for doing this for us um thank you so thank much. much and
5: thank guys. you for the music thank, thank you for
4: thank, thank you so everything much guys. thank you for caring so
3: yes good. Year, guys don't Have forget year. i'm hiring oh, oh my god <laughs> i'm gonna
4: take that off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. If I'm here for three hours, you need to make sure to get me somebody for real. It's no I,
3: Anybody. I, I got you. I oh, got yeah, he you. He can help
4: you. Yeah, he can help you with
0: that. I
3: got you. I'm, a, I'm an expert in this area. I got you.
0: Mariah, thank you for sharing thank your you. truth. It was a nah. beautiful story. I mean, I yes. know it. a lot of it was hard, but it, thank you for sharing. It was really brave.
3: Yes, yeah. we appreciate it. All right. On behalf of uh, Lia, Sugar Steve, Fontigolo, and Unpaid Bill, you missed one unpaid bill. Your <laughs> fault, bro.
4: Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And I, we love you back. Yeah. All right. Cheers, darling. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. See
3: Cheers. Peace. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know we made a promise. This is uh, Hermit from the uh, Lost Mariah Carey Chick Project, which is actually kind of dope. I dick it. Hope you do too. All right. See y'all.
5: Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right? Peace.
3: What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.